Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We live in a political world. Love don't have any place. This is the Bob Cordaro Show on WILK News Radio. We live in a political world. Icicles hanging down. Wedding bells ring and angels sing and clouds cover up the ground. It is, it is 9.06 here at WILK. And I'm Sue Henry. I'm sitting in for Bob Cordaro today, and it's uh, my pleasure to be here. So uh, thanks for welcoming welcoming me into your radio. I've been meeting a lot of people out in public who have been so nice to me about this return, and it's been a great pleasure to be here. Kind of like being a grandparent where you come and play with the kids, and then you go home, and you wind them all up, give them sugar, and they're screaming at their their mother, and they're crying. And that's what Bob will get next week when he comes back. But uh, the the president is is coming today to pay his respects to... Ellen Casey, uh, the wife of the late governor of Pennsylvania, who uh, passed away recently. I was reading her obituary, and I was thinking to myself that uh, it's it's right and proper that uh, the president come to pay his respects to a, a woman who I never met, but by the account in her obituary. This is the kind of woman that people should aspire to be. The, the things that Mrs. Casey accomplished in her life were noble and they were beautiful. And she was a living example of what it is to be pro-life. Oftentimes we, we hear these, these terms kind of thrown about pro-life, pro-choice. The way that I like to determine whether or not you are pro-life is not you just saying, I'm pro-life, but an actual demonstration of supporting life. Any woman who gives birth to eight children is a living and powerful example pro-life, any, any woman who defies what she is told and, and what giving birth may mean to her, but still has children, to me, 
is a living example of being pro-life. Any person, man or woman, who goes out of their way to help children is pro-life. It's not just, you don't just slap a sticker on a car and you're that. But if you, you go out and you actively help women and their children, you're pro-life and good for her. Uh, Joe Biden can learn a lot from the legacy of Ellen Casey. He really could. She was uh, deeply committed to this this family. She was uh, a well-educated woman, which is great. She uh, she graduated uh, from Marywood Seminary High School and Marywood College, majoring in fine arts. She met her husband at the age of 14. I guess this used to be the way that uh, people met their spouses <laughs> at young ages. And that, that to me, you know, that's a re- remarkable marriage that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Casey had. And uh, they met at a dance. And that's, that's just nice. And they dated through school. They were uh, married in uh, 1953, which was a long time ago. And uh, they lived in a family homestead on Wyoming Avenue where they raised their kids. Uh, her mother came to live with them, probably because eight children is, is no easy task. And I'm sure that uh, all of, of the children in this family have uh, been influenced greatly by her. I'm sure. And uh, she wasn't a showboat. She didn't go around saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. She just did things. And that's another example that I think is very powerful for anybody. Anybody can do some of the things that uh, Ellen Casey did during the course of her life and be considered a great success. She was an advocate for maternal and child health care. Uh, laying the foundation for raising successful children because uh, she knew a thing or two about that because she had so many children that I'm sure that her advocacy sprung from the fact that she cared deeply about those children. Adoption. She was a, a fierce advocate for adoption, something that uh, more people, if they could find it in their heart, should consider it's such a you know, it could be challenging. It it could be like you know, stepping into a new world. But we see people all the time who adopt children. And it's so great. Uh, some of my friends have. My brother did. My brother uh, adopted a, a special needs child knowing darn well it was going to be a lifelong commitment. And he did it anyway. Um, he and his partner did that. And uh, my nephew is really just a, a beautiful person whose life would have been totally different if he was abandoned in an institution and institutionalized for his entire life. So his world has changed because of adoption. So uh, literacy, is there anything more fundamental than caring about teaching children the skill of literacy, sitting them in your lap and reading them to them? That She believed in that. Um, she served on the Governor's Commission for Children and Families she promoted the children's the chip program which has helped so many people who have children uh, to get them to the doctor and have them see the dentist and and whatever it is that they need 
She uh, spoke out on behalf of landmark legislation, which required insurance companies to provide annual coverage of mammograms for Pennsylvania women and set the standard for mammogram testing. Ellen Casey is a remarkable woman. Absolutely. And uh, she helped form the Pennsylvania Breast Cancer Coalition and served as the chair. She uh, traveled across the state. She went to hospitals. She went to drug treatment facilities. And uh, certainly during her lifetime, I would I would surmise that uh, that that wasn't necessarily the most popular thing for her. Because drug treatment, these people, they just won't get better. You know, they'll never get better. They go eight, nine, ten times. They're never going to get better. Well, she didn't care. She went anyway. Good for her. She went to women's shelters, child care centers, Head Start, which is a a very powerful program that helps uh, kids get a leg up before school. She was instrumental in promoting the importance of vaccines and checkups for kids. This is all the kind of stuff that the reason that actually the president should come here today because she was a champion of all these causes. And once again, I never met her. But reading her obituary, I can't help, cannot help but think about her influence, her quiet work, the fact that she just did it. She didn't put it on Facebook. I'm going to the drug treatment center today. I hate that when people virtue signal on Facebook. Just do it. You don't have to say it. Just go. All right. And uh, she went to uh, prisons to encourage inmates to learn how to read. What what better person then? I, to me, I'm supportive of the president's visit today because I believe that this uh, woman born in Scranton and stayed in Scranton, was a a very powerful, quiet worker who did things behind the scenes and and, and didn't uh, brag about it. So how about that? Did anybody ever meet her? Does anybody know her that's listening today? Because um, this, to me, is a great legacy. And uh, I don't think this is a partisan issue at all. I think this is an issue of coming to honor uh, a resident of Scranton who uh, did her very best throughout the course of her life to promote the things that were important to her. And they were they were important. And, and certainly her example of what it is to be at your core a pro-life person was demonstrated in her life. That's all we can ask, right? That's all we can ask of our lives is that we uh, do the work that we need to do, that we help other people, that we pick causes that are super important to us and follow through on them, that we don't just talk about things, but we actually go out and do the heavy lifting. If if we say we're pro-life, then we support children and we help children whenever we can, which leads to possibly thinking about mentorship for children, the foster grandparent program, which one of my um, one of my tenants who lived in, in one of my apartments she was a huge, huge force in that uh, foster grandparent program. She was there all the time. And it's because she loved children and she wanted to help. And, and anybody who is a, a good role model can help children. 
They don't have to be yours. They they could be uh, certainly uh, other people's children. Is somebody with me? <laughs> I'm hearing like somebody going, maybe it's the aliens. So, so many things in the news that are absolutely um, just bizarre. It, it turns out uh, apparently that the uh, officials in Maui who were in charge of uh, the emergency alert system there are not the greatest people. They're, they're not uh, top-notch apparently. And uh, the the one official, and I don't know, you, you could take this to, for what it is, but uh, does it raise your eyebrow when you find out that he had uh, a faith-based philosophy on water management? That's interesting. So, and there's also a ton. There is a ton, a ton of conspiracies about what happened there and why it happened. And if you go to if you read Twitter all day, there are people Twitter has become so conspiratorial that it's not even funny. If you go on Twitter, uh, I would say at least 20 percent of what you read is conspiracy material, unless that's just the way my Twitter feed is stacked. But there are people who are saying, why did this happen? Which is a legitimate question. Why wasn't there a better warning system in place? Is the electric company uh, on Maui responsible for this? And if so, why? And now we're seeing that uh, people who live in Hawaii are getting cold called on their phones from people who want to buy their uh, property. People are saying, was there something more purposeful about this? Without any evidence to say that that's true, I can't say that that's true. But they have uh, pictures of all these uh, celebrity mansions that are on Maui that were not touched, not even a blade of grass. And, of course, when you see things like this, what what do you normally think? Oh, they're so lucky. Look at them. They were spared. And, And people are saying, no, wait a minute. What is this about? Were these people's houses um, somehow burned down on purpose? In this day and age of hearing one thing, then hearing it criticized, then later on finding out it was true, can anything be discounted at this point? Can you say for certain that there isn't anything more sinister behind this? I would say the odds of anything more sinister being behind what happened in Maui are quite small. But at the same time, is it fair for people to even ask questions? And I say that the more we learn about how things were handled recently in history, the more we see how people can flock to a conspiracy theory because uh, conspiracy theorists are very clever at laying out a case for something. And then we've been finding out that these pictures of these homes on Maui of uh, celebrities are actually their mansions elsewhere. So that kind of uh, debunks that. Um, the the dumbest controversy ever has arisen about uh, Bradley Cooper's fake nose. Did anybody see this? There is the hue and cry over uh, Bradley Cooper wearing a prosthetic 
knows to play the composer Leonard Bernstein in a movie that's coming out later this year, which uh, I watched the trailer for this movie the other day, and it looked really intriguing. Although some people have uh, some things to say about him, that he was uh, he was sympathetic to uh, maybe some of the wrong causes during his life and whatnot. But now there is um, all kinds of criticism that uh, Bradley Cooper wears a prosthetic nose in this movie uh, to play Leonard Bernstein. And people are saying uh, that shouldn't be the case and that an actor of Jewish descent should have been given that role. Meanwhile, Bradley Cooper's own family says, (laughs) um, stop it. Just stop it. I wish more people would say just stop it. But there's always these pot stirrers out there who will uh, go out of their way to make make everything joyless in our lives and, and to certainly raise controversy where even the guy's own family says, you know what? Uh, that was the kind of nose he had. And we're quite fine with Bradley Cooper playing our father and also that you you just continue to tear people down. I think they said something to the effect of our, our father in our, his life was torn down quite a bit. And now here you are tearing down the guy who plays him in the movie. And that is kind of ironic in a way. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, mortgage rates could hit 8%. Oh, back to the good old days of high mortgage rates. And uh, the, a lot of people have good mortgage rates and and they're not go they're not going to sell their houses if they're sitting on a good mortgage rate and they still owe money they're you the would you leave a 3.25% rate to jump to a 7 something rate probably not we we who were around and maybe this isn't you but we remember during hurricane katrina in 05 uh, there was the the federal official who uh, George Bush called brownie remember that and he was in charge of that. And George Bush was roundly criticized for telling Brownie he was doing a heck of a job. Remember these days? It was a long time ago in 05, which was obviously almost 20 years ago. And that doesn't seem right, but it is true. And now we are finding out more about Herman Andea, who has, according to CBS News, not me, according to CBS News, has... N-O, zero, zilch, nada, none, no experience in emergency management. How did this Herman Andea manage to get his job as emergency operations chief? Well, I mean, if you live here, you know. But if you live elsewhere, you might be surprised. How, How do a lot of people here get their jobs? Does anybody know? Yeah, they're friends with people, and they're, or they're, it's uh, somebody's nephew, or it's somebody's kid, and all of a sudden, they're running something that they should not be running. Then we find out the hard way uh, how they got put into the position, but then it's too late. So what qualifies Herman and Dea to be an emergency management leader? Well, really nothing. Uh, What is his background? How did he get there? You may be surprised. Trained in political science and the law, he has 
no formal education in disaster preparedness or response. Prior to his current role, he never held a full-time job dedicated to emergency management. His main qualification was being the chief of staff to a mayor. (laughs) Okay. He beat out 40 other applicants for this job. And once again, if you live here, you know darn well how people get jobs. And sometimes you are absolutely astonished and your jaw drops because they have no qualifications to have them. And all of a sudden they're uh, taking care of something that is totally out of their league. So he beats out 40 other applicants with uh, no education or training. Does that does that seem unbelievable? Well, like I said, not if you live here. This is, once again, the uh, vast reach uh, of something here we call nepotism. I don't know what they call it in Maui, but this is where you just know all the right people. Uh, he took, uh, quote unquote, online FEMA trainings. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does this mean? To come from the outside and get the top job is is incredible to me. If you um, you know try to get into some of these agencies and you don't know anybody, um, you, you you really can't. It also turns out that the uh, police chief in Maui was also the police commander of the Las Vegas Strip during the deadly mass shooting in 2017. How does this happen? He, it's John, I guess it's Pelletier. Uh, you know, he was in charge of uh, the, the police force that was uh, a responder to the mass shooting in Las Vegas where 58 people were killed and hundreds were injured. And that's another thing. We never did really find out, to my knowledge, what happened there. Yes, they identified the shooter. That's true. But why? What happened? And uh, people are saying that in the aftermath of that shooting, although in a chaotic mass shooting, is it, would, would the response ever be good? But people are saying his leadership in, in, in showing what had happened during that uh, was, was not the best. How does this keep happening? I know you don't want to talk about uh, perhaps where you work, But I'm sure many of you are in jobs right now working today and you see this, that somebody gets promoted that absolutely positively does not deserve to be there. And this guy was picked out of 40 other candidates for what reason? Oh, because he knew people. It's pretty plain. He had no experience and he became the leader. How many times have you seen this in your life? And I'm saying this is not what we would call a good outcome. It's what we'd call an absolutely terrible outcome. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Anyway, it's 945 at WILK. We were talking about the uh, people who were in charge in Maui before this uh, devastating wildfire uh, wreak havoc on the island. There's another guy that they're pointing to. Um, the deputy director of the Hawaii Commission on Water Resource Management. His name is M. Kaleo Manuel. And I, I guess they had to ask him permission to use uh, West Maui stream water to fight the fire. And apparently his uh, delay in in responding may have also led to more devastation and are you are you following any of this because this gets more bizarre by the minute if true maybe somebody will come out and say these are obviously just tall tales Uh, but he didn't release the water as quickly as firefighters had requested it he has uh, said in a video in the past that uh, water should be revered not used Water should be revered, not used. (laughs) Now, this was not obviously done during the course of this wildfire. This was a a previous video. Um, But if, if this is the kind of philosophy that rolls around in your head, do you belong in this job? And I know, look, I don't understand everybody's culture. I will be the first person to admit that at times when I hear about certain things and uh, the the way that uh, certain cultures uh, speak about certain subjects, uh, maybe it's unusual to me and, and maybe I don't agree. But is this the right person for the job? So what I'm saying is that there seems to be a lot happening here that is very, very bad. You had a guy who somehow was picked out of 40 applicants and had no emergency management experience whatsoever, and he's heading up an emergency response. You have this guy who seemed to be a little bit slow on the draw to let water be used from a stream who has said in the past that water should be revered and not used. So maybe uh, the people who live in Maui have uh, some... Uh, job openings they should be uh, demanding. And I know this was unprecedented. It was 
catastrophic, but did some of these leaders make it worse? Uh, Let's go to Mike. Mike, what do you think? Oh, I think a lot. Yeah. Uh, First of all, the the question you said, how does this thing happen? Well, I think George Carlin said it best, and I'm sure you know the quote better than I do, but he said something about, it's a big club and we're not part of it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big club and we're not part of it. So uh, that's, you know, but here's the other thing too. When you hire somebody who's not qualified for a job, you really don't know how they're going to respond until the uh, poo-poo hits the fan. And uh, it sounds like the poo-poo hit the fan, and a lot of people didn't know what they were doing because they were in jobs they shouldn't be. But going back to the cause of the fire, I think Smokey the Bear said it best. Only you can prevent forest fires. And uh, from one end of the country to the other, including Hawaii, we have a group of people who refuse to allow the management of forests, okay? And, and what I mean by that is, like in California, you have uh, a blight go through, and all these trees become diseased and dead, and they're just waiting for someone to put a lightning strike to them or a match to them or whatever, and then you have a forest fire. They would not allow them, the companies to go in and harvest that timber while it was still good enough to be harvested. Instead, they let it dry out, and uh, all the little branches fell off, and they, they created stuff on the ground that you know, really spread the fire. And I want to just quickly tell your listeners about an incident that has finally made it into the national news. I've heard it years ago. But there are many worries out there by people who watch things. And I've been talking to individuals who say that they are just holding their money right now and not, not investing. And uh, we'll see. I see on, on your, your market news there that uh, Walmart made big earnings in their uh, shopping, grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. And I have to go in there to buy certain things for my diet. And I noticed there is a lot of people in there buying groceries with grocery carts full to the tippy top and more. Hmm. So they must be doing a good business. Absolutely. As far as the fires go, this is a little known thing. It's just finally getting out. In 1871, there was one of these wildfires in Wisconsin. It would be where the thumb of Wisconsin is on the uh, far eastern side next to the lake. 2,500 people. 2,500 people, they're not confirmed dead, but they think that's what it was because they're still finding uh, bones and remnants today. And like any other disaster, most disasters, man, uh, natural disasters, there's a lot of things that have to go a certain way. And in Wisconsin that year, they normally get four to five feet of snow over the winter. And then it melts off rather slowly because it's not like around here. And uh, they didn't hardly get any. And then the spring rains really didn't develop. And then they were getting moderate rain a little bit here and there. But in July, it all stopped. And then no rain. And then it happened, the fire happened in October. Now, how did it really happen? Well, they did not have, for the time, they were doing what they did at the time. They didn't have the knowledge or the know-how to manage forests. So they were cutting down these you know, native species of trees for lumber. I mean, it was just like the, the heyday. They're making money hand over fist. And, you know, they have to get rid of some of the scraps so they have all these little fires, you know, burning brush around. And then, you know, obviously it was ideal working conditions for being in the woods because, you you know, we had a dry winter, 
hardly any rain in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. But things were primed for a fire, and you had all little ones sitting around. And then all of a sudden, one of those brutal cold fronts comes through. Like, you know, kind of like the one we had, I believe it was on Christmas Eve. It was just brutal. But except this cold front had no precipitation with it to speak of. And the fire started going, and it killed about 2,500 people. And the reason people don't know about this fire is because that was the same night of the Chicago fire. And uh, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, if we're going to expand our population and people are going to want to live away from the cities, out in the woods, in the forests, in the mountains, we have to not only protect them, but we have to protect our forests. And the best way to do that is manage them, just like we do with rivers. We, we live in valleys, but we put dikes up to keep the water in the river instead of having you know intermittent floods every now and then. We need to treat the forest the same way and we're not doing that especially in the states that have a proclivity for being very liberal and allowing the environmentalists and people who aren't qualified to manage forests get in positions to do that well i mean i I think that uh, what you say makes a lot of sense we'll see if there is any kind of um, thought process change in the aftermath of what we saw in Hawaii. And I guess we have to get to the bottom of of what really happened there. And we just don't know that yet. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 